What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Hot Links Golf Gambling Show. It's the host of this Outkick Bets podcast, Jeff Clark. I'm here with the homie, Dan Z, who deserves props because he's running a lot better than me in golf. Picked John Rahm outright. Went on TV, gave John Rahm, John Rahm outright picks. Hell of a week for you, Dan. I'm impressed. Welcome back. Yeah, I really didn't get. I mean, look, I'm not going to sit here and pat myself on the back too much for picking a guy who was nine to one to win. Like he was clearly a favorite, but um, I did fade Rory pretty hard, which worked out very well for me since Rory missed the cut. But I didn't understand why Rom had been pushed so far behind uh, Scheffler and Rory because I feel like people just have such short memories when it comes to golf. And before he pulled out of the players with the stomach bug or whatever. Like he was playing well in that tournament and he had won like three tournaments since the start of the year. It was like, this guy is the best player in the world. And I've said that to you many times. That's why we have our, um, we have our weekly bets, which thankfully you're off the hook this week as Rory withdrew, but we have our weekly head to head anytime Rory and Rom tee it up together. And I've won every one of those, I think because John Rom's a better golfer than Rory McIlroy right now. Like there's just, there's no question about it. Well, isn't that kind of recency bias? I, I will say, and no, we, I, we no. talk about this. What do you mean? Like last John year, Rom- who ended the year last year, number one? I said right oh. now. John Rahm is the best golfer in the world right now. Period. Current trending form, absolutely no disagreement. And I talked to you about this off air. I'm saying it on air now. I'm almost ready to tap out because I'm like sick of back and Rory. And I like... The best way to bet head-to-heads is to fade one guy, more or less, and I don't want to fade John Rahm anymore. <laughs> like, it's it's costing me money. Like, not Except life-changing money, but it sucks. Yeah, I'd probably I mean, fade him this week. You can make an argument, but, like, once you see him start playing, how great could, are you going to be feeling about it? You know? Like like you said, well, I, like I'm arguing he's not the best player in the world. My argument is that he's the second best player in the world. Eh, I don't want to fade that. <laughs> Fuck that. Sure. Understood. I, I think uh, I've said this before. Like, if you fade Rom this week, um, you're going to know pretty quickly whether or not he cares about this week or not. Like, if he comes out and is like four under through his first six, then you already know you screwed up and he's probably going to win the tournament. But there's a chance that, you know, these are human beings. He just won the Masters. I don't think he probably wants to play in this event. I mean, he has to because of the whole structure of the PGA. Um, I don't think Rom necessarily hates the idea of missing the cut here and going home and not having to play the rest of this event. So, I. I but but at the end of the day, like I, I think the point you're trying to make is like these dudes are competitors, and he's arguably the best golfer in the world. Like he could kind of not give a shit and still go out and finish in the top ten. Yeah. Like, is he really gonna? purposefully lose like no he's probably not going to purposefully lose but what you have to understand about golf is it's such a mental game and the thing that really causes players to screw up in golf tournaments is a lack of focus more than anything and you think how is that possible like how could you lose focus during like it's easy it's really easy you still these guys are still shooting in the like you still have to hit 65 to 75 golf shots in a round like it's easy to lose focus over a couple of those at any given time. And I think that's the only thing that really holds could hold Rom back and why I don't like him in this tournament is I just can't see him being fully 
locked in and focused on every shot he's going to hit this week. I just I can't see that. Now, this is part of the reason why I hated our bet. I'm glad Rory withdrew because I I preferred your side because I think Rory would have if he teed it up in this event. Now, this kind of proves he probably wasn't, so maybe it was wrong anyway. But that was kind of my thought was like if Rory tees it up this week, he's got something to prove, and he's going to want to go out there, and he's going to be focused on those golf shots. Agreed. Yeah, but him not – him pulling out kind of confirms – but of the suspicion that he's just not locked in yet. I mean, he's changed putters a couple times recently. It's not it's not looking good, and that's why I'm kind of like over this head-to-head matchup for the most part, I, is, and I need a week off from it. Which is interesting because you'd think it would actually be – like it wasn't really the putter that even held Rory back this week. Like he just didn't play well at all. It wasn't like – because Scheffler actually had one of – like people don't realize Scheffler had one of the best weeks of anyone. Like if you look at any statistic – driving approach he just could not putt he was like i think he was 50 out of 53 players who made the cut in strokes game putting and if you watched it you saw it like i was texting back and forth because i also had a, a side bet another um side bet where i had rom scheffler head to head against a buddy of mine and he was like i so i was locked in on scheffler as well because i was you know watching my rom head to head and he just like he just was missing five footers that Scotty Scheffler doesn't miss five foot putts. Like he was missing five foot putts like pretty consistently. And I was like, this just doesn't look right. Something is off here with Scotty Scheffler, Scott- but not the rest of the game. Like he was inside 10 feet all the time. He just couldn't convert. Scotty Scheffler finished T 10 minus four out of the 53 guys that made the cut. He was 50th in strokes gain putting. He was first. An approach fourth off the tee, second tee to green behind. I would, now, I would assume Rom. Right? If I told you yeah. going into this week that Scotty Scheffler was going to be first in approach, second off the tee, he, you'd be like, "Well, he won the tournament, right?" Yeah, I don't have a betting card anymore. It's like, all right, I'll just put everything I have on Scotty. Like, cool. If I told you that going in, right, like you would literally yeah. bet your entire life. Like, well, if he's first in approach and I'd second make the off biggest the tee, golf bet of my life. He won. Yeah, like, there's sure. not like, what are we even talking about? And yet he didn't win because he was so bad putting. That was the reason I picked John Rahm in the first place over Scheffler and McElroy was because I said he's the best putter of this group. Now, I looked really dumb one hole in when John Rahm four-putted on one, and I was like, oh, man, I really screwed that up. But to me, the difference was always going to be putting. I didn't expect Scheffler to putt nearly as badly as he did, but I thought it was more likely that he would have a putting week like that than it was that Rom would have a putting week like that, which is why I backed Rom to win the tournament. Yeah, you've been consistent on that. And essentially your point is John Rom's putting floor is much higher than than Scheffler and Rory, which is fair and accurate. Um where did Rom end up finishing strokes gain putting? Do you have that? I yeah. never I didn't actually see the stat, but I felt like he other than that first four putt, I felt like Rom putted pretty well. Well, he was 22nd through the event. So, I mean, how many strokes did he lose in the four putt, right? You know, maybe he he's top 20, which when you're six around the green, six in approach, second off the tee and first tee to green, yeah, you can be 20 in putting. I mean, he he would have lost two strokes on that first putt because it would I would I would expect cuz it wasn't a ridiculously tough first. It wasn't like an 80 footer. So, I would expect that the strokes gain model would have John Rom two putting that. So if he four putt, that's two strokes lost right there. Yeah, and he won by four strokes. So 
whatever. Didn't even matter. <laughs> yeah, he could have lost. He could have by six. He could have six putt if he wanted to. <laughs> it didn't, well, didn't really matter. If you think about it, I mean, Scotty Scheffler four putted at last year's Masters. I mean, yeah, granted, it was obviously a vi- actually that was eighteen though, right? It was seventy two, which is the interesting thing. Last year, Scotty Scheffler four putted seventy the seventy second hole to win the tournament. This year, John Rom four putted hole number one. The last two Masters champions weird. have four putted either the first hole of the tournament or the last hole of the tournament. Oh man, there were some rough putting performance from some alphas this week and um and um at the Masters. You had Hideki, I think, in your one and done, right? Hideki has been crushing it with he, his ball striking has sucked this year. His putting has been on fire. Went the complete opposite way this time around. Ball striking Back to back to elite, at least fifth in Tita Green, forty seventh in putting. Cantley, who I have money on, on Sunday. I have money on Cantley for the RBC. I'm pretty sure you like Cantley. We'll talk about that in a second. He was he sucks on Bermuda Greens, forty ninth in the field this week. And I wrote this in my in my um my final round, um, like live betting post that I did, I took Cantley over Hovland because he gained three strokes putting in round three, and I was like, "Oh, all right, he's dialed in now. Like that's all he needs." And then he lost them all back in round four. Like it was literally three point seven three in round three, and then minus three point one seven in, in round four. It's like, oh shit! Like he gained three strokes, led the field in putting in round three, and was still. Uh, 49th out of all the players that made the cut. Uh, hopefully it doesn't repeat that performance this week. I don't think so. I like Cantley a lot this week, um, especially with some of the criticism of his slow play, which, by the way, the reason his play was slow is because he missed so many putts, which means, I mean, look, Cantley takes a while on the greens. Um, he's definitely one of those very meticulous players. I've watched it. I mean, his putting routine, and I wrote this in my story, like when they show Cantley, lining up a putt i just grab my phone and go like all right well in 30 seconds i'll look back up when he hits the putt because he does this thing with his feet what the thing is he's a very good putter so he makes the first putt which means it's done we're you know we're moving on the the reason he was so slow was because he kept missing that first putt which meant he had to do the whole routine again for the second putt which was still four five six feet because he'll go in and tap it in from two feet out right not do the whole routine but he left so many four, five second foot putts that he had to do his whole routine again, and that's what caused the slowdown, which doesn't normally happen. I've actually never heard Patrick Hanley get complained about for slow play before this week, so that I, I viewed that as a bit of an anomaly. Well, I've heard most, I've heard several gamers. I talked to you about this. I t- texted you about this, but I've heard like most of the gamblers that I golf gamblers I listen to don't really like Hanley, and you're like one of the few people that like him. And I, I mean, I like him because like. I live in Long Beach, and he's from Long Beach, so it's kind of like cool. I, I, I'll root for Cantley, and like I like his robotic, stoic nature. I think that's like the type of vibe you need in golf. I've never heard of the slow play stuff either with him. I do get a bit of a you kind of insinuated this as well. Not as terrible of a personality allegedly, but I get a Patrick Reed vibe out of Cantley, just in the sense that it's like people don't like him, people don't like to bet on him, so there might be value grabbing him in some spots. So you made a look. I, I, do, do you hate that point? You, you disagree? Well, yeah, I, I please don't put Patrick Cantley and Patrick Reed in the same sentence ever again. I'm just saying people don't like to bet on him. That's my point. Um, yes, I agree with that, that point. 
Um, what I what I would say is I'm guessing most golf betters don't like Cantley because he's bad at majors, and that's probably where it comes from. They've all lost money on him in in major tournaments when people are generally spending more money anyway, so they probably lost a lot of money on him. I just don't bet him in majors, but he is. It's 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 actually crazy how bad he is in majors for how good of a golfer he is. Like he's easily one of the five most talented golfers on the planet, and he just does not play well in majors. I don't. There's like a block there. Is it? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, that was a Mickelson thing for a long time, and then he won one, and now dude's out here at 50 years old finishing t second at the Masters. So like, is it just a, a matter of needs to break through once? I don't know. I don't know what it is. I mean, but the guy's an incredible golfer. Yeah. All right. So he's he was second last year as RBC Heritage, lost in a playoff to Jordan Spieth. So we'll just go through his tournament since. Missed cut at the PGA, third Memorial, 14th U.S. Open, 13th Travelers, fourth Scottish Open, eighth the Open, second Rocket Mortgage, 57th in the first round of the playoffs, won the BMW like he usually does, seventh in Tour Championship, second at Shriners, 16th at Century, which is whatever, shortened field, 26th at American Express, a dud by his standards, third at Genesis, fourth at the Honor Palmer, 19th at the Players, 14th at the Masters. Like, you bet top 20 on Patrick Cantley, and it's he it's cashing. Yeah, top 20 machine. Absolutely. So he's my number one on my power rankings on my model between the stats, the trending form, course fit, how he plays in the comp courses, how he plays in windy conditions, which typically are an issue at, at these coastal tracks like the uh, Harbor Town, how he plays at Pete Dye courses, short courses. He's number one. This guy's 101st in this field in putting on Bermuda, and he's still number one. Number two is John Rahm. So we're, you know, not looking to bet John Rahm in this spot, um, especially at this number. You know, I think I, I agree with you on that one. So, you know, I think we're, we're both on Cantley here, right? You're going to have him in, in your in your pool probably too. Yeah, I, the only thing I, I just like, I hate him at 12 to 1. Like, I think that's just, I love, see, that's part of the reason I like betting Patrick Cantley is because I usually get him at like 20 to 1 or worse, and I'm getting a top three, top four, top five player at 20 to 1. But now we're getting him in like those, you know, John Rahm was 9, 10 to 1 at the mat. Like, we're getting him at kind of close to the number that Matt Rahm was going into the Masters. Now, of course, Rahm won the Masters, so it's fine to back those, but. Man, I wish he was fifteen. I really wish he was fifteen to one. Here. I think he was. He was fourteen before Rory bounced. I think, or maybe he was like fifteen. Oh, that makes sense. So that, that's what happened in the numbers. And frankly, I've just lost too much money recently, being like, "eh, it's too expensive," because it it hasn't been too expensive to bet Scheffler or Rom lately. It's actually been profitable, right? And that's kind of how I feel about Cantley. It's like, well. Cantley, 12 to 1, like that's not a great number. Well, he's first on my model. And if I'm going to spend hours on building the fucking model, like, like eventually I got to pick the best one, right? Eventually, like, I always like talk myself out of betting Rom or Rory or Scheffler, even though they're like top three in my model every time. It's like, well, I mean, if I'm paying $30 a month for this, maybe once I should use it. And that's kind of where I'm at with Cantley. It's like outside of bad putting performance, which he has the full package to make up for. What's your anti Cantley take here for the RBC Heritage? Twelve to one. I don't know. Just the number. Yeah, yeah really, I mean, just the number. Like I love Marikawa and how he fits in, uh, 
fits this course, but like my model makes him seven. He's fourth by the numbers or fourth by the odds. Kind of like, you know, so yeah, we can all agree with that. So like if we were talking one and done pools, which a lot of people do, the only thing here is that Cantley also destroys the Memorial and that's usually where you want to use Cantley. So it's like, do you use him here or do you use him at the Memorial? That's a debate people are going to probably have if you're in a one and done. Yeah, well, we have three spots, but yeah, most, yeah, okay, that's fair. So I'm still new to this one and done stuff, and I'm I'm just thinking about how we have three spots. So that's a good point. I mean, he's number one in my power rankings. I think he's gonna win this, so I would just play him one and done. He is, is gonna the be very popular. Elevated? Uh, yeah, yeah. So it would be between those two for me with with Cantley. Um, but yeah, it's it's. That would be the that would be the argument would be to fade Cantley this week so that everyone if you're in a one and done for example let everyone use him this week hope he doesn't win and then you'll be one of the few people who has him for the memorial tournament he's always in contention to win. Well since we have three spots and even if we if we had just one spot um or just one time to pick a golfer I like your points about Cantley the win the memorial I might just keep it simple stupid and go with Jordan Spieth. Like he he played well at the Masters. He won last year. This is his type of course, obviously, since he won. How many times? Like I don't want to use Spieth in the Open, in the PGA Championship, in the U.S. Open, right? I'm going to find arguments, better arguments for other golfers. This feels like the spot for him, right? Yeah. Where does your model? I'm interested because I don't think the models are super high on him here. But I'd be interested to see what yours has to say. I have I have him sixth. Okay, that's a little higher than others that I've seen. So yeah, that's interesting. Why I, do you think that is? I don't know. Trending form, he's sixth last twenty four rounds. Course history, he's eighth, and that's considering that he won last year. Does well and win. Does pretty good. Short P die courses. Good on Bermuda greens. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't see the anti-speed argument. I feel like he hasn't been a top-tier golfer in the last couple of years, and people have just kind of soured on him. But like he's he's looked really good for the past. I don't know. I would say year. I mean, I can look at his his results. I mean, he was on a pretty bad dry um, spell right before he won last year's RBC Heritage, and he went second at the Byron Nelson the next month. I mean, he's he's got some pretty good performances. This, Last six tourneys, uh, Dan, sixth at the Phoenix Open, missed the cut at Genesis, fourth at the Arnold Palmer, 19th at the uh, Players, third at Valspar, fourth at the Masters. I mean, uh, where do you you usually see him? I think he's going to be popular too. That's probably why I would fade here. I don't know. I'm... The guy I'm struggling with who always pops on models and yet has only ever screwed me over. Um, and I'm probably going to use him this week, and he's probably going to screw me over again, would be Tony Finau. Yeah, Finau's number one on my stats model. Of course he, he is. I uh, I was about... The models love him. The models, the nerds, no offense, like love him, I love him, and he does nothing but break my heart and let me down. Um, Yeah, I was thinking that too. I listened to, you know who Rick Gaiman is? I think that's how you say his name. Run, Rick, run, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like him. I listened to his course breakdowns and stuff like that. And he talked, I was I was in the middle of writing a pro Tony Finau handicap, and he kind of talked me off of it. 
and then as he was talking, uh, um, breaking down Tony Finau, he put him in the and put him in the model. It's like, damn, this guy's fourth. <laughs> like, like it's I don't know. Yeah, he his point though, and it's something that I agree with is he's only played in three heritages and it seems like he doesn't really like this, this tournament. And one of them, it was the 2020 heritage, which I'm sure you remember, but it was like the second event back from the pandemic. So everyone played right. Otherwise he doesn't really want to play in this tournament. He's playing in it this year because he's elevated. And when I heard that, I was like, you know what? I'm splitting hairs here, but that's enough to get me off of Tony fee now. But you look hey, at correct his, me. Correct ahead. me if I'm wrong though. He, um, this course punishes um, ba- uh, driving a- poor driving accuracy, right? Like yeah. more than the average course. Like distance is less important, and hitting the fairway is more important, which is what I would consider to be a weakness of Fina. Like he's going to bomb it out there, but he's going to miss some fairways. Yeah, I guess there's there tree line fairways, and if you depending on where you miss, it could either be meaningless or it could be awful <laughs> you know what I mean so it just I guess this game doesn't set up well here but like the worst finish he's had in the last 10 tournaments was the Masters 26 like not, he's not doing that bad <laughs> you know like yeah I mean I'm, I'm still butthurt that he screwed me at the match play because like I was 6-0 and going into with my picks going into uh the final Round robin stage, Finau, Cantley, and Rory. And they were rolling like sweet. I got all three guys into the sweet 16. I got a legit shot to make a run here. And Finau just wet his pants in the in the final match and still had an opportunity because they got into a tie and ended up making like triple on the playoff hole. Like couldn't even keep it on the course. And I was just like, what what is this dude's problem? Yeah, I know. Tony Finau is—he's been in the pain, a pain in the ass, and a lot of uh, for a lot of golf gamblers. Again, I'm kind of new to this, so like I kind of have like rose-colored glasses when looking at Finau. Like you, I don't know. He, he does well, pretty good since him, I've been starting betting. The big thing for him for a long time was he hadn't won. It took him a long time to finally get the win, and there was, and he only has one. Um, and a lot of people thought, well, this is the one that kind of you know breaks the dam. Like he should now. But it really They call him didn't they call him top five Tony or something like that? Oh wait, no, I'm I apologize. He won twice last no, I'm sorry. I was looking at this year's stats. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, he he started he finally started winning. He won back to back tournaments. He won in the Houston earlier this year. He did, and he also won the three M and the Rocket Mortgage, but those are historically bad tournaments. No offense to those guys, but those are the usually the tournaments where that was one where uh, the Rocket Mortgage was the one that Bryson won a couple years ago by like he was like the only decent player in the entire field. He was like plus 400 going into the tournament and just rolled it because there was no one in the field. I, Were you a, see, I love the, you? I was before me. I love the rocket mortgage and the three M because like, I just went on a heater on the open three M and rocket mortgage. So it's like, was it that it might've been the three M it was one of those two. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. 
It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Um, no, I don't have Tony Fina on my card though, but yeah, he crushed it on my model first on my stats model. And I don't, I, I can't find like really good reasons outside of the course history to not bet him here. And you know, it's a loaded field and usually he struggles and like, he doesn't really have any win equity at majors. Granted, this isn't really a major, but the course history combined with the tough field is enough for me to be like, eh. I'm cool. This I'm could also now. be a tournament that Scheffler comes out and is like, I'm oh. going to win this tournament. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. This, especially, he, he, Scheffler seems like one of the most mild mannered dudes. He's probably fucking furious about how he putted last week. Furious. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, like, I could see him. Like sticking around the Augusta practice range, like at night, just hitting shots. Who who did that? Was I mean, it, was it Justin Thomas last year at the PGA, where they just like he hit? Or I think it was Max someone, Homa at a tournament that he won, where he he like stayed two hours afterwards. Yeah, it was dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah. do remember that. Um, yeah, Scheffler. I mean, not just the putt. Did, I mean, obviously, you were locked in on Sunday, but like Scheffler started making a run, and at one point was six under. And then he hit that tee shot on 12 into the bushes. And it was just like, you just don't, ex- like, it was just, it, it almost seemed surreal. Because yeah. you just don't, like, Scotty Scheffler doesn't step up to a tee where he finally, like, he had just, I think, made back-to-back birdies to get to six or something like that. And then just mashed his tee shot into the bushes. And it was like, what the hell was that? Yeah, dude. Yeah, it was just a weird tournament for, for Scotty. He played pretty amazing most of it and just missed some putts and had a few you know here's another guy that um i think the nerds are gonna love this week that i'm always on because i'm a nerd and i usually back the stats model but it's sander i have him 12th he's fifth in my well he's fifth in my stats model where does he oh it's course history he's 73rd i guess he doesn't go well wow. RPC. but that might not he, that might be another Finau situation where he just doesn't play here very often. Yeah, last time he played here was 2020. He's 64th, 63rd, 2019, 2018, he was 32nd. And after 2020, he's like, ah, I'm over this shit. I'm not playing this. Yeah, I'm wondering if this has an opportunity to be a very random tournament where we should be looking in the mid-range just because, like you keep mentioning, these guys don't play this tournament because it comes after the Masters. And no one plays after the Masters. Like, that's kind of part of the reason the PGA is elevating these post major events is to get guys to go play them because they yeah. didn't 
Um, this was my point about the Travelers, which I just got an email this morning saying, calling Morikawa is coming to the Travelers. And it's like, oh, sweet. You know, because these guys have to fly across the country after the U.S. Open and play in central Connecticut, which I'm sure none of them want to do, but the elevated event structure forces them to. So I'm wondering if there's going to be like one of those mid-range guys who really pops this week because – you know, they weren't necessarily expecting to win the Masters, maybe played pretty good, like a Russell Henley, who had a really nice Sunday, but never really thought he was going to win. Like, he was always at least four or five shots behind, but is running really good, and this is kind of a spot where he could really pop. Well, to be fair, dude, no one had a chance to win Sunday. Right. There was, it was, honestly, the PGA Tour has been going really good lately in terms of, like, you know, final round stuff. That one was the worst fun around probably the whole season. It was just like, dude, slam well, the door would, shut. Shit was over. I would also blame Kepka a little bit for that because he kind of took all the pressure off Rum by really struggling. And it was like, oh, okay, I can kind of coast to victory here. For sure. At but best, also, though, it was only going to be a one-on-one, like at best. But also, Rom, like just had one of those rounds where like, I know it didn't matter to most people because the tournament was already over. But like, for example, I ran a master's pool that you were in. And for fifth, you know, the last payout spot, something really important happened on 18, which is John Rom hit a horrible tee shot that he thought was out of play. So he hit a provisional. Turned out his tee shot hit a tree so early and bounced right back left, it didn't even make it to the fairway. He didn't reach the fairway with his drive, right? Rom ended up making par on 18. After not reaching the fairway with his drive, 18 was a very hard hole for guys who hit the fairway. Yeah, it was. Wait, are you saying he yanked it so far that it hit a tree before the fairway? That's what you're saying? So his second shot was like 300 yards out effectively or something like that? Yeah. Well, I don't know if it was that far, but he basically had to lay up his second shot and then he hit his third shot tight, putted it in and won the Masters. Right. Yeah. And 18 was like one of the hardest holes in in the course. He was hitting three from where like a long hitter would be hitting two because of where he ended up. Like it hit a tree so early and bounced straight left. Uh, I think straight right. I think he yanked it left. Can't remember exactly. But the point is, I, I ended up emailing with the guy because the guy who finished just outside the money didn't have Rom in his lineup, and the guy who finished in that last spot did have Rom. And he was like, "Dude, when Rom hit that tree, I was like, oh, good. He's gonna make like bogey is the best score you could hope for at this point, right? Like, there's no way he's saving par." from short of the fairway on 18. Yeah, no, that people are struggling to make par when they hit the fairway. Yeah, no way Rom could do that. And he did, but like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it was one of those weeks where it just didn't seem to matter. Dude hits a tree with his first shot. His Dude. drive goes 180 yards and he makes par. He fucking four putt in the first hole and won by four strokes. Yeah, yeah, we get it. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, I just, it, it just, it, it, it underscored like it didn't, it didn't matter. So Which, I want to get know. into the bets now. To touch on something you just said, though, and I talked myself into a couple, a couple long shots, one uh, 65 to one, um, and then one, hold on, I got one 65 to one, and then one 80 to one. Um, The average winner over the last five RBC Heritages, again, it's, it's been a weaker field mostly, but the average winner is roughly 109 to one. Like Stewart Sang won in 2021 as a hundred to one shot. Webb Simpson, he was twenty to one. Then C T Pan, Satoshi Kodiara. I butcher that guy's Kodaira. name. Kodaira, Kodaira. thank Kodaira. you. 
Um, he won it at 250 to 1. So I think it being a, whatever, a shot maker's course, positional course, smaller course kind of opens the field for people just to kind of get hot with the putter and their irons. I was looking at Brian Harmon a little bit this week. He's not on my card. Um, but I, I loaded up on Cantley. I put 1.75 units on him. Um, we already talked about that. My next bet is cause he got to a point that I just, I just, I just couldn't pass it up. I don't know if you've read my stuff already, uh, Dan, but I, I went with JT 28 to one. His form shit, although he has been, I think he's averaging six gain strokes, uh, a stroke, six strokes gain tee to green over his last five tournaments. Outside of that, his putting has been terrible. He missed the cut at the Masters. However, he's first in this field in um, strokes gain around the green at these short courses and strokes gain tee to green at these short courses. He plays well at Harbor Town. Um, again, I'm banning my model here. He's 20th in my, in my RBC heritage power ranking. So it doesn't go very well, but I just think it's a great buy low spot for him. And I was thinking him not making the cut at the masters. Doesn't that mean he's like kind of well rested or does that give him a, a leg up in this spot? I think you're searching. I tried to talk, uh, outkick betting writer betting writer excuse me golf writer mark harris out of betting justin thomas like it's In this one I, I, of the masters and oh. I, I i still don't see it i don't well it's a completely different course the i, I just think like you got i think you're gra- I, I understand but i i feel like you're gravitating towards a name at a good number but nothing else in the profile right now like justin thomas just is not playing good golf he just is not playing good golf and this is too loaded of a field I, I still think the number's too short, to be honest with you. Like, I don't see why he doesn't belong more. I, I, I've seen models with him behind Russell Henley, Tom Kim. Like, I don't know why he's so much, you know, 15 or so shorter than a lot of the guys he's shorter than. I don't, I don't, I actually don't like this number at all. I would back Thomas at maybe like 40 would be where I would start to consider him, but You're I, right. I can't. He's gained six strokes per. Uh, All right, who's his head to head? Okay. <laughs> I will happily fade Thomas this week if you give me a, if I get someone even. Tom Kim, Tom Kim go. Oh. I think Tom Kim's going to fit this course well. He's a slight underdog. Oh, so you don't want to do it? No, I'll I'll take it. I like Tom Kim in this course, but I mean I'm down for our little bet here in this one. I like it. I, I disagree with you. Even though you've been running hot and you make some good points, I think this is a good bounce back spot for Justin Thomas. I liked his little Twitter masters commentary. He doesn't seem to be butthurt or like, you know, down on himself. He just had a shitty week and missed the cut. But I think otherwise, like Justin Thomas actually has been going pretty good. Again, he's gaining six strokes T to green over his last five tournaments. He's, um, outside of the Masters, he was tenth at the Valspar. Not a great field. Sixtieth the players. That sucks. But his issue's been putting, and that could be his issue in this one. I just your point. Your earlier point was right. It is it is a it is a good golfer at a number that um is too good to pass up in my opinion. 
And I could have egg on my face in this one. I really like how Tom Kim goes. So I just, the course fit, his around the green numbers, which I think are going to matter here, um, were too good for me to pass up. So I put 1.25 units on him uh, to win top five, top 10. What about your boy Morikawa? You off him this week? I am, yeah. Although I shouldn't be. I mean, I, so a lot of sports books do dead heat rules for golf betting. My bookie doesn't, and there are sports books, legal sports books that don't. So go to DraftKings, use the promotional link for OutKick, but, it, you know, also search around for maybe some books that don't do the dead heat stuff. So he, uh, what I'm saying is that he got top 10. I made money on Marikawa last week. It's, I, I felt much better about him with the first couple of rounds, but I have no reason to not back him other than I just think the number is too low. And I mean, you know, that we, that's why you brought it up. Like I'm the biggest Marikawa guy in the world. I don't know. I just, I think this, this, this course fits his game. Everyone seems to like him. I do think I'm just going to kind of go back to my nut model on that specific golfer. And I talked myself out of betting him. The guy who's third on my model, Cantley one, two was Rom. Three was Tommy Fleetwood. I whiffed on Tommy Fleetwood last week at the Masters. And I've talked myself out of betting golfers in the past um, after whiffing on them, even though my model had them really well and I liked them going into the tournament because I just lost money on them. And frankly, I've done that in team sports too, where it's like, well, I don't want to bet this NFL team two weeks in a row because they got crushed when it's really like they're probably going to bounce back, right? I think Tommy Fleetwood's game fits this course, right? I mean, it's a flat track. It's coastal spot, short course where short game specialists do well here. That's pretty much Tommy Fleetwood. I put a much bigger wager on him, top 20, because MFR has pretty – he has no win equity in the PGA Tour, in fact. Um, but 65 to 1, I think my bookie's offering at 75 to 1. Put a little sprinkle on there and hit him top 20. That's my biggest play is Cantley. Like that's what I have most of my money on. So I went with Fleetwood and then to round out my card, my last guy that I went made money for me at the Sony open. I hit him 45 to one at the Sony open. Siwoo Kim, all four of his PGA tour victories have come on comp courses. Um, he's first in strokes gained, um, around the green at these, at these short courses. And why I think that matters is most short courses put like a premium on around the green, right? They make up for, they try to make up for the lack of length with like tricky greens. And he seems to do well in tricky greens. And again, that's backed up by him playing well at the comp courses. He's also really good in the two approach shot buckets that matter most in RBC Heritage, 125 to 150, or 150 to 175, 175 to 200. So I went Siwoo Kim, much heavier bet on him to go top 20. Um, but I did sprinkle on him at 80 to one to win outright. So those are my four looks here. Cantley, JT, Fleetwood, Siwoo. And then I guess I'm going head to head against Tom Kim, who I, I like in this tournament. I do. Um, I like the Cantley look a lot. He's, I'm probably going to use him in our pool even though I think it might be the third time I've used him already. So I might be out of Cantley usages already. That always happens to me because I like the guy more than everyone else. And he always pops on the models that I tend to look at. Um, Cause you don't share your model with me. Uh, you don't make it public knowledge, but anyway, separate conversation. 
Um, I also, a guy that I'm on this week that I'm not usually, and I'd like to get your thoughts on this and then we can um, possibly move on. But again, you want to talk about a number. I guess I don't understand why Max Homa is so far down the betting board here. Um, I'm usually not on Homa because I think he's overrated, but I finally think there's a spot here where he's a little underrated. What What is your model that's not publicly available say about Max Homa? I have him 17th, and it's because he sucks on short Pete Dye courses, and he's just bad at short courses altogether, Pete Dye and and short courses, which doesn't really make sense when you think of Max Homa, but that's what the model says. And I'm with you, though. The number looked good. I made money on Max Homa, one of my four outrights at the Farmer's Insurance. like him a lot. Probably going to end up betting him at the U.S. Open since it's in L.A., and he, I mean, he had a good Masters until Sunday. Like most people might not realize, he went into the final round because he had such a bad final round where he shot six over and ended up finishing outside. But he was even going into the final round, which was pretty good for, you know, where everybody stood. That was probably, I mean, even par was, I don't know, what was he probably, I mean, he had to be top 20 at that point before just an absolute meltdown of a of a round. And he's another guy, actually, that doesn't play this course. One appearance is 2020. Yeah, so that's kind of maybe what's making me think his number's a little depressed here. Again, I think I like the number here. I think he'll be under-owned as far as, you know, um, he's a guy I'll probably use in the pool as well. Because, again, I think I'm getting a very good golfer at a time when I don't think a lot of people are going to use him. Uh, It could end up being a terrible decision. I don't know. But... Um, I like him and I like Henley a lot because I just always like Russell Henley. And I honestly was extremely impressed with his master's performance. I hit uh, Henley at Mayakoba this year and, and Max Homa. They're two of my guys. So I, I like those looks. Um, Henley's 15th. Again, Homa's 17th in my power rankings. If I had like buyers, not buyers or more, but if, uh, if I were to regret, regret not picking a couple golfers, it would probably be Tony Finau. I was I was pretty close to locking in a bet on Terrell Hatton. And I haven't bet Xander. I don't know. Yeah, even though he doesn't really play this course and he's giving me Tony Finau type vibes. I feel like this is a spot where Xander might show up. So Yeah, I mean he's another one that he always seems to like be in the top ten in majors, but isn't really ever quote in contention. If that makes sense, like it seems like he is. Like if you look at his results, you go like, "Oh, T three. But like when if you watch the tournament, you're like, "But you never thought Xander Shoffley was going to win that tournament." Well, I didn't want to extend the conversation about Homa. That was my thought about Homa. Like he played all right last week, but you never, there was never a spot where you're like, "Oh, Homa, wow, okay, here we go." Right, but that's what I'm saying. Like, like this is the kind of tournament that those guys do well at. Right, it yeah, seems yeah. like. No, I agree. It, that's kind of also full circle, kind of the Cantley thing, right? It's kind of right. like, oh, totally. You, you know, that's, like, what, that's my card this week. Are those guys? Yeah, those guys who tend to like Which, not really be in contention at majors, but these kind of like uh, that's why. That's the Tony Fina to argument too. But that's why it's hard for me to buy Justin Thomas. It's like he's going to get his game right now this week at a you know right after the Masters where he struggled. Like I just. It doesn't feel like a bounce back spot. It feels like a I'm playing an event I have to play that I don't really want to play. That's why I don't love the look here. I like those guys who 
this event means more to them. I my then, pushback is that I think he wants to play because he sat at home watching all of his homies and all the better golfers play. He's just like, God damn it! I, you can argue this this doesn't mean as much as Masters, and that, that you don't even need to argue. That's a fact. <laughs> you don't That's, need to argue. Yeah. But I'm saying like, it's an elevated event, and the guy needs a fucking he needs to get it together because he sucked lately. Like, why wouldn't he be motivated? All right, we don't we don't need to keep arguing. We, we get sure. it. You like Justin Thomas? I don't. We're opposite on that, but I think otherwise we're pretty simpatico on a lot of things this week. I like Tom Kim. Damn it. All right. So we don't have to do it if you don't want. Uh, I kind of want to. I don't want to look like a chicken shit on my own podcast. Um, you don't. You like Thomas, but, you know, like you said, tournament matchups are about fading people. And if you don't want to fade Tom Kim, then don't fade Tom Kim. All right. Yeah, I will. I will back down. Will or won't? I could. I will. I will back down. I tap. Right. I like it. No. No head-to-heads for us this week. I like that. Let's just let's just watch some golf and enjoy it. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't have any matchups to give out. I might check me out on outkick.com backslash betting. I'm probably gonna look at them tonight. I'll probably get to the window on a couple. Um, but my card, Patrick Cantley, Justin Thomas, Tommy Fleetwood, Siwoo Kim. Those are my horses for the course at Harbor town. Um, what are you going with again? Cantley. Who else? I like Cantley. I like Max Homa. I like Xander and I like Russell Henley. All right. Wish us luck. Me more so than Dan since Dan's on a heater and he doesn't need any more fortune oh well, we could all use the money but so i also do have i also just have this weird feeling that scotty scheffler is going to go win this tournament by like six shots that could certainly be the case as long as patrick cantley is second that's <laughs> i could still profit that's what i'm that's what i'm hoping for all right homies uh follow me at jeffrey underscore clark on twitter please show the podcast some love by leaving some nice reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Refresh people on where they can find your stuff, Dan. You can always find me on Outkick.com, at OutkickDanZ on Twitter. I'm easy to find. All right. Talk to you guys next week for the Hotlings Golf Gambling Podcast and doing some NBA in, in between, but I'll talk to you later. Peace. Peace.